Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams and VoiceOver Insider Editor Gary McFadden. I'm so glad you tuned in to our VoiceOver Insider Podcasts, where we bring VoiceOver Insider information directly to you. You can sign up to be notified every time we've got a new free podcast or other insider information regarding voiceovers at voiceoverinsider.com. Hello, I'm Julie Williams, founder and publisher of the VoiceOver Insider, which celebrates 10 years this year. Our special guest is Bill Dewees. Welcome, Bill. Hey, Julie. How are you? I'm doing well. Let me tell you a little bit about Bill Dewees. Bill is a Chicago area talent, full-time voiceover talent. Um, His credits include, you ready for this? Chevrolet, Microsoft, American Express, Warner Brothers, NBC Universal, TV Ameritrade, (sighs) Monster.com, PBS, Chevrolet, (laughs) Butterball, Nikon, Bear, (sighs) Arm & Hammer, AARP, LG Electronics, Purina, and thousands more. (laughs) Just to name a few. Just to name a few. (laughs) And um, he got into voiceover coaching, which he does also, like many of us, you know, people were constantly asking him to teach them, which I think is the way most of us got into it. You know, we got tired of saying no and thought, okay, well, we can do this, you know. (laughs) VoiceoverRevolution.com is the website that Bill created with the mission of equipping, encouraging, empowering, and inspiring voiceover talent to achieve their voiceover career goals. And Bill, do you do you coach commercial as well as other types of voiceover? I do primarily commercial and narration, and and I do imaging and some promo work myself. But I don't don't do a lot of coaching in that area. I figure there are other people probably better qualified than myself. You know, that's the that. same way I am. I do some yeah. imaging, I do some uh, promo, but I don't coach it. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a lot of things I don't coach because there I know of people who are better at coaching it than I am. So. I would rather teach my students commercial and narration, long form right. audiobooks, e-learning explainers, et cetera, yes. and then forward them to someone who's going to do better for those other things. I think half a success is just knowing what you're best at and conversely what you're not so great at. Exactly. <laughs> now, you're going to talk today about the four links of the voiceover chain. And I have to confess, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so tell me well, about yeah. the four links. Well, you know, after after working with, with people over the years and you start to see certain themes evolve and a lot, and I do work with, with experienced talent, but a lot of people I work with, you know, are, are fresh out of the gate and are really needing to understand what are the foundational things I've got to know. And I, and I see breakdowns at like four specific areas in growing a career. And that's what those, those four links are. And you've heard the old, uh, the cliche that your chain is only as strong as the weakest link. So oh, yes. the idea is to keep all the links strong. So the first one is is simply technical audio quality. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just kind of overlook that. So anxious to get to the marketing and getting work and getting paid uh, that they don't realize that the, the quality, the technical quality of the audio is just not competitive. And as you and I know from doing this, you know, if you're, if it doesn't sound good, it only right. takes a few seconds for a client to figure that out and just hit delete or move on to the next person. Yeah, even in, a, in an audition, they're going to assume that whatever quality you're doing the audition on is what you're going to get. So if, yes. if I'm like out of town, I might slate with, hi, Julie Williams, recording with my remote stuff in a hotel room, believe it or not. Perfect, yes. And you know what I mean? Just kind of play along with it. And you're not making an excuse you're just letting them know, you know, this is not the quality of what my studio is going to be. But, Julie, what you just said is the absolute truth. They will assume that what they hear from your audition is what they're going to get. Right. Unless, like in your case, if you tell them otherwise. Yeah. Which, by the way, is brilliant. Honestly, I never thought about that before. But <laughs> I, 
I don't record from, you know, I usually don't record when I'm out of the studio, but that is, that's brilliant. That's a great piece of advice. Well, it's just a way to be kind of fun and friendly and joke around, like, believe it or not, you know, but at sure. the same time, you're, you're letting them know without apologizing. And, and... I'm going to make a note. I love it. That's great. <laughs> well, you'll be able to listen back to the podcast and hear exactly what I said. <laughs> I'll be sure to footnote you anytime I mention that. You know, talking about technical, I'm, I mean, I know that I've seen students, you know, they, they are all ready. They do their training. They have their demo. And then someone calls at, to hire them for a job. And they're like, now what? You know, you're right. Yeah. Technical has to be maybe not before you start your training, but your coach, right. not just a teacher, but your coach should guide you along the way about getting into it because the coach yes. before you're done training, even before you have a demo should have you auditioning for, yes. you know, when you can. Um, now I met somebody at FAF camp uh, a couple of weeks ago in San Antonio, which is a peer to peer conference um, who said, I have a hundred dollar microphone and I have never had a client complain. Now this woman works full time and makes a very good living with a hundred dollar microphone. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Well, I, I tell you what, I can I can uh, also raise a hand and say yes, I've done that as well. The first the first four years of my career, I was using a um, a Marshall MXL two thousand one microphone. You can buy one on eBay for like fifty or sixty bucks. Wow. It's a it's a large diaphragm condenser, uh, and it was uh, and I but the key was I was in a very quiet, well treated space, and I did national ad work on wow. that. And if it's actually some of the demo material that I have today came through that microphone and nobody ever questioned because the room was so well treated, it was so quiet and so well treated. So I always tell people when you're looking at audio quality, even more important than your mic, and I'm not saying it's not important. Oh, obviously yeah. it of is. Course. And if you could, you know, I've got a Neumann TLM 103 now. So, you know, as time went by and cash flow improved, I improved my surroundings. But your room and your space is the most important element of your sound chain. You know, I was using a Neumann TLM 103. And um, I found, particularly in audiobooks, it picked up. Uh, oh yeah. And sneezing two miles away. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. I just, I, 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 I had to get rid of it. I mean, I haven't gotten rid of it, but believe it or not, the TLM one hundred three is my backup mic. I had yeah. to get a lesser quality mic because I, you know, any any little sound that was happening again miles away was being picked up by that. How do you manage? It's a two-edged sword because on one hand, it so faithfully replicates everything it hears, but that's the problem. It replicates everything, like you said, an ant sneezing two miles away. Exactly. Um, the way I, uh, that I manage that is that I'm actually sitting in a whisper room booth right now. So I'm in my basement in a whisper room. So I'm in an oh, yeah. ultra quiet environment. And I've also, I've disciplined myself and learned how to be extremely still and make very minimal mouth noise just through, because you know, who wants to edit that all day long? I you wish know? I could make very minimal mouth noise. <laughs> I have to edit it. And biotin is the only thing I found that can help me with that. And I've tried apples. I've tried everything. And yeah. biotin helps the most. But um, there's And I'm still... a gum person. That's what helps me. Gum. While you're recording? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'll take a break. I'll take a five-minute break, and I'll chew a piece of gum. And then it cleans, cleans everything out. But that's wow. me. And I've, you know, I've tried everything else as well, but every, you, everybody has to kind of find what works for them. Right. Yeah, that dry mouth thing is like, it's not only a nightmare when you're editing, but no one wants to edit you like that all day long. No, it's, it can't nobody be good wants for to do that. <laughs> okay, so what, do you have anything else to add about the first chain, which is audio? Well, I'll just say there are two areas to focus on, and one is the quietness of your studio, and the other is the sound treatment. So 
being ultra, ultra quiet is important. And then treatment is just make sure, and I, I'm speaking in very broad terms, but make sure there's enough sound absorption so that you don't have that big boxy echoey sound. And there are professionals out there that can help you fine tune that, but quiet and well-treated are the two major keys. And you um, are using a whisper booth. What kind of money did that cost you? Uh, these, okay, this particular booth, brand new, would run, it's three and a half by five feet, runs $3,600. I found mine through Craigslist, two weeks old, got a half price for $1,600. Wow. So I've, you know, I'm a pretty savvy shopper. I, I will search eBay and Craigslist, and I was stalking Craigslist waiting for this to happen. And when it did, I pounced. Wow. And it was somebody local in Chicago that was selling it. It I was. Yeah, and uh, it was a little local production media company, and they needed it for a project, and then they were done in two weeks, and they turned around and sold it. Wow, somebody upstairs loves you, I'll tell you that. I guess. <laughs> I'm going to have to call you next time I'm going shopping. There you go. Well, my studio is a 10 by 11 room, and what I did to equip mine is I used to work at a radio network, and when they moved from one uh, area, uh, one um, facility to another, um, they had the Aurelex on uh Three feet by eight feet panels. Yeah. Already on wood panels. And so oh, perfect. my ex-boyfriend just put them all on the wall. So there's just a tiny space way behind me by the door. And then even the ceiling. And I have a window plug, which I yeah. set it up for soundproofing. Um, and if we, we want to talk about soundproofing, it's not carpet. It's the space between two things that really impacts the soundproofing. And also something mm-hmm. called sheetrock. Not sheetrock. Uh, sheet block which is pretty expensive, <laughs> but um, I had a musician friend that happened to have some extra. But anyway, nice. there's a plug in the window mm-hmm. and there's carpet on the inside for deadening it. And then I had somebody build what's called a cloud. And it's basically just a box with two RLX squares in it. Mm-hmm. And then it's suspended at an angle up above me so that oh. not only are my corners dead, but the up corner that goes to the ceiling is also deadened by that. So it just hangs from the center of the room? It does. It hangs from wow, the center of the room. Wow, very cool. Yes. Uh, right, it's in the corner. I'm facing a okay. corner, and it hangs okay, I from see. the corner at about a 45-degree angle, and it's um, it's about two and a half feet above my head, maybe three. Well, your audio sounds beautiful. Well, thank so it's you. So it's obviously doing its, its job, and I'm not really an engineer, um, Although I, I play one on TV. No, I'm kidding. I, you know, I, I can, I, I know enough and I also have a background broadcasting and I know it when I hear it so I can do things by ear. But um, yeah, your sounds great. And I, and I know that, but I talked, I remember talking to somebody at voices.com once and they told me that the vast majority of auditions get deleted before they ever make it past any kind of serious consideration because they sound so horrible. Oh, really? From a, te- from a technical quality. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess that a lot of people who are beginners, um, there are people who don't even get training, but they think they can just hang out a shingle and compete. Yes. You know, I send my students there, though, and I'm on there, although I never have time. Oh, yeah, me too. I don't have time to do the auditions. I, I haven't done one in like six weeks. I just delete them. <laughs> it's horrible. You know, it's almost well, like— Well, you can't do everything. No, you can't. I have to tell myself it's okay because sometimes it feels like, oh, God, another audition coming in. I've already gotten 25 <laughs> from them today. I mean, what an attitude that is. I mean, you pay but don't play. That's not a, a smart move. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? That's right. Okay, what is our second link in the VO chain? It's your performance skills. Right. Your, you know, what you do when you get behind the microphone. So, and you already alluded to it, you know, having a coach, somebody who can, whether, regardless of the area that you plan to, to, to approach, whether it be, you know, narration or, 
or uh, commercial work or promo work or imaging or whatever, making sure that you've got the chops, that you have the skills to be able to compete. Right. Uh, and that, you know, and I guess that goes without saying, but that it's not the only thing. And, you know, just because you have a ton of skill, if you don't have the other links, you're, you're going to suffer. But you have to have the performance skills. You exactly. Have to. The performance and the tech skills. You've got to have both of those. Yeah. Even, yes. You can hire an editor, but you have to have a space where you can do that. You can't hire talent. No. I mean, you can, but I mean, if you want to be booked yourself, obviously. Here's one of the things I tell my students. Um, there is talent and there is skill. Okay. Mm. Now, you can come with talent, but you're not going to go to the top. You can learn skill, and you're going to go far, but you're not Liberace. But right. if you are one of the absolute very few that has talent, and I've only met a few. I mean, I'm talking natural talent, naturally born. Yeah. Okay? Um, then a little bit of skill can take you a long way. It's like uh, what people come into this industry thinking, you know, um, I have a good voice, so I'm going to be discovered or something. And I just tell them, you know, I have fingers, but I'm not Liberace. I don't have the talent and I don't have the skill. But even with his talent, if nobody ever taught him, he wouldn't have gotten where he is. Yes. So coaching is absolutely essential, especially, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, for people who come from radio. Because oh, I, that's so true. Radio is a totally different industry. Yeah. But yeah. because, and I know because I'm from it and you're from it, um, you know, DJs do tend to think that because they do commercials at a radio station that they can do voiceover and that they make out a little. But yeah. with a level of skill, people can work full time at this, even if they're not one of the ones who have the Liberace talent. You can still right. make a full time living. You know, yes. um, there are a lot of people doing that. And I, you know, and I think I'm, I'm a testimony to that. I, um, you know, I, I. I mean, is there is there talent? Yes, to a certain degree. But, you know, I realize a lot of whatever I have, I had to grind it out. Right. You know, there's skills that were learned along the way. And right. I had to work really hard um, to do it. And, you know, it's an interesting point that you make about broadcasters. And you're right. You, know, you and I are both recovering broadcasters. So so we get it. You know, we, we understand. But I was talking to somebody the other day. And the analogy I used was when you're broadcasting, you work primarily in one dimension. The context is there's an audience, you sit in a studio and you're communicating. In voiceover, the context can vary from script to script, who you're talking to and what your role is can be completely different. So most broadcasters operate in one or two gears, whereas a voiceover talent, we have to be able to shift into five, six, 10, 12 gears and be very adaptable depending on what the project is. And right now the key gear is different from what it used to be. Because mm, you know, when yes. I got in radio, I mean, I was doing voiceover from the very beginning and I worked a lot. And, um, but I still had the radio sound, but you know what? That was in back then. Yeah, absolutely. People were hiring you for that back then. Well, in the 90s, the early 90s, um, I taught a workshop with Dick Orkin. And um, Dick got with me and really helped me uh, then I took one with him as well, and he got with me, and he really helped me to realize the conversationality that was in then. In fact, it was just coming in, but he is on top of the curve, of course. And yeah. um, I have him to thank for making a living so well right now in voiceover mm -hmm. because he transformed my read. Because, And I, I can understand radio people because this is, this is what I felt. You know, he would say, you know, no, do it like this, like, Talk to Kathy, my best friend, you know, talk to her. And and I would get with, believe it or not, a cassette recorder back then and record for practice. And if I'd listen back and it didn't sound like I was talking to Kathy, 
I had to redo it and talk to Kathy. The thing is that all of my instincts were telling me, no, this is the right way. His way isn't the right way. You know, and I'll tell students from radio and sometimes they're thinking, no, she's she's wrong. This is the right way. It's not the right way. It's the right way for radio, not for voiceover. And I often tell students if it if it feels when it once it starts to feel wrong and uncomfortable is probably when you're beginning to approach to do it correctly, because it should feel you should feel totally out of your element and feel it should it shouldn't feel you should feel like you're not working quite as hard. Yeah, that's um, true. That's <clears throat> true. Like you're not working hard enough. I have to remember that one yeah. to tell my students that. Now, if somebody's brand new, that might not be the case, but definitely coming from radio. For broadcaster, yes, yeah, very much broadcaster. so. Uh, do you have anything else to share on link number two, which would be our performance skills? You know, just very briefly, I, I use an acronym ACE, A-C-E, authenticity, conviction, and emotion. And those are the three things I focus on. It's got to be you, regardless. It's, it's not you doing your impersonation of Susan Sarandon or whoever the actor or actress that's being called upon for that you know, it has to be you at the end of the day or you, mm-hmm. you're not going to get hired. Right. And there are many facets to you. And you, ha- you have to sound like you're married to the script. People have to believe that you believe it. Mm-hmm. You have to own it. And then you have to be able to make people feel something. And um, none of that is easy. None of that is easy. But those, you know, those are the three, th- three things that I focus on. And that's what I say. If, if you feel what you're saying, I will feel what you're saying. And in yes. 30 seconds or 60 seconds, you're not talking to me into anything. But you can feel me into it. Yeah, you, you know, got it. I, so, I believe that. Yes. Okay, tell us about link number four in the four links, three rather, in the four links of the voiceover chain. Yeah, link three would just be having a marketing plan, having a business plan, uh, having talent and a studio, you know, hanging a shingle and having talent and skills is, I, I wish that's all it took. And one of the things that, that surprised me the most, Julie, when I first started coaching were the people that were contacting me. I was getting calls and emails from people in New York and Los Angeles who were represented by some of the biggest and best agencies. I mean, world-class type talent, but that, and and the message was always the same. You know, I work, but I work on occasion. I haven't worked in six months or a year or two years. Wow. And, um, and so I began to understand that even, I didn't, it doesn't matter whether you're new or you've done this forever. You have to have a marketing plan that works today. And really, I mean, in a nutshell, you've got to be your own best agent. As you know, you've got to know how to market yourself. You've got to know how to, to hustle yourself and be able to get your own clients or you're going to have a really tough time. You might, there might be a handful of people that are doing this without outside or without help aside from their agent. Yeah, the uh, weavers of the world. Yes, but you can count those people maybe on one or two hands. Right. Maybe. And that's hard for people who are in New York or in L.A., especially if they've been around a while because they're just used to waiting for the phone to ring. And yes, they used to make a living that way. But now with the Internet and so many very talented people that aren't in New York or L.A., uh, some of them aren't even union, but they're getting in there. They might be FICOR or they're getting some union work. Yeah. Um, they're really competing. Um, I, I had. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. I don't want to get the union mad at me. I just had. Someone, <laughs> I had OK, I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, it's all right. Go ahead. Go I ahead. am not against the union at all. OK, oh, I understand. But, but I'll tell you. I had a, a union friend call me and say, you know, oh, I can't get arrested in this town anymore. You know, I'm not getting any work, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, you know, Julie, you should join the union. And I said, why? I'm the one that's working. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm not saying no union people are working. So, you right. know, after a SAG, please don't get mad at me. It's just a conversation that we had. And, you know, I'm not uh, it's not off the table. I told my L.A. agent I would be happy to join the union. Should the right 
uh, opportunity come along. Right. And I'm and yeah. I feel exactly the same. I'm I'm non-union. I'm not anti-union. I'm non-union. Yeah. And if it and and I you know I make a really good living doing what I do. And if I was able, if it would allow me and position me to make an even better income. And a consistent, because the one thing I'm able to create is a very consistent, reliable income. Right. Hey, I, I, you know, I'll look at it. You know, we'll talk tomorrow. But Yeah, we have to make sure it's best for us in our yeah, careers. Exactly. So that exactly. people that have been in that position for a long time, creating a business plan, kind of difficult. How would you recommend one go about that? Well, you know, I feel like if there's one thing I really had coming into this, and I used to, I was, uh, I'm a former college professor, taught business and, you know, at the graduate level and was, a, I used to be a business marketing consultant, have worked in business. So this is something I was very comfortable with. Yes. And really marketing boils down. It's a very simple formula. Um, as simply said, it's not simply done necessarily, <laughs> but it's, it's creating and maintaining awareness in the mind of your, of your target audience. In other words, who, who needs to be aware of me? Who needs to hear my demo? Right. And then how do I create that awareness? How do I make them aware? And then once they are aware that I exist, how do I make sure they don't forget about me? Mm -hmm. Because somebody can hear your demo today and, oh, Julie, you're awesome and you are and they're going to love you. But do they remember you next week or in six months when they actually need you for that project? So I'm very big into uh, create. I'm very aggressive. And when I say aggressive, I mean in the nicest way. I'm the most laid back guy you'd probably ever want to meet. Um, but, um, you know, I get my demo in front of a lot of the right people and then I'm very persistent in making sure they don't forget about me mm -hmm. on the back end of that. I hired a guy about, oh gosh, 2007 or something for, um, for a narration and he was fabulous. And I got him off one of the sites. I think it was off voices.com that I found this gentleman and he was so good. He was so easy to work with. I never heard from him again. And for the life of me, I can't remember his name. There you, that's a great case on point. And that is human nature. It's yeah. just human nature. That's the way things work. You and he, assume he nothing. would be my first go-to guy, you know, even over my friends who are very, very good. Yeah. I would go to this guy because I am accountable to my client, you know? Right. And you want to go with friends if they're good. But when this guy's so much better than anybody you know, then you definitely want to go with them. So, and for all we know, he may have dropped out saying, you know, I just couldn't make it work. <laughs> and here you would love to have, have the guy working for you on a regular basis. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I found that people do as far as marketing goes, I mean, you know, I, I think Harlan Hogan uses the, the percentage 80 or 90 percent. But, I, you know, at least 80 or 90 percent of your day is uh, in voiceover is spent marketing yourself. I mean, you know, the, the work is getting the work and then doing the work is is more work. You know, I mean, a huge percentage of your days is spent marketing, especially in the in the, in the you know, in the in the get when you're, you know, really getting up in and the going. Beginning, right. And, I, you know, I used to say it was 90, 10 and now it's 10, 90. Oh, that's uh, nice. I mean, that, and that's the idea is that you want to build. I mean, my biggest challenge today is keeping up and making sure I get all my projects done through the day. But that came because I marketed uh, pers persistently and nonstop. And I've done that for years. And now I make sure that, you know, there's a there's a maintenance that they don't forget about me. Yeah. Um, and therefore, you know, I can I essentially stay booked pretty much all day as a result. So one of the things that I think uh, our listeners need to keep in mind, particularly beginner talent, is, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people and they they feel like, OK, I'm not working today. I don't have a voiceover to do today. I've got a few auditions that doesn't take long. So for the rest of my day, um, what am I going to do? Am I going to go play? I have to market <laughs> myself. But they don't Let's have play. Their, they don't have in their mind the concept of income producing activities. Yeah. You can get on all of the forums and get to know all the talent, which is not a bad thing. You know, I mean, I've, I've referred talent when uh, for an infomercial, I referred a friend of mine uh, who's a fellow Voxy lady because the guy contacted me and said, you know, 
that you're always my to go first to go person, but this conflicts with one you've done. Do you know somebody? Mm. And he said, I'll always come to you first, but do you know somebody? Well, of course. I know her because she's a fellow Voxy lady. We mm-hmm. met on forums, then we met in person, you know, and I know she's good. And so that's good. But really, the peers aren't the people who are going to help you make a living. You know what? And, and I think you'll understand the spirit in which I say this, that I think one of the biggest traps for vo- especially newer voiceover talent or those, you know, maybe you've been trying to do this for a while, but you're struggling, is that it's so easy to get caught up in social media because we all, you know, we want to commiserate with people who are also not working. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of them online who That's spend right. their days doing the goofiest things online. And one of the best things I ever did was I made a decision a number of years ago to really highly limit my social media activity. Right. I spend very little time because um, you're only making money if you're recording. And the only way you're making your recording is if you're actually making contact with clients. And it's not in voiceover forums. And I'm not saying, you know, you, again, you understand. Yeah, you there's good information to be, yeah, and there's good information to be gained. There's helpful people. But you really have to discipline yourself to do, I don't care what business you're in. And I used to consult small, medium-sized businesses. Voiceover is no different than running a grocery store or selling widgets when you boil it down to its essence. Mm-hmm. You, and it, there's no magic to this. There really isn't. If you've got a product, and we've already touched on the things that requires to have a product, you've got to get it. You have to create an awareness, and there's no shortcut to that. And I don't care if you're making phone calls, if you're sending emails, sending postcards, whatever, or, you know, or auditioning through pay-to-play. You have to create awareness, and you've got to do the, dis- you know, the daily discipline things to do that, and you have to follow up. And it's not fun. It's not glamorous. It's not the sexy side of voiceover, but I'm telling you, if you want to be a business owner and as voice talent, we are business owners. You mm. got to do that stuff or you can expect to find another career pretty soon. That's right. And what is the fourth link of the voiceover chain? It's simply execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Walter Isaacson said, this is a great quote. He said, vision without execution is hallucin- is a hallucination. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we, oh, my dream. I want to be a voiceover <laughs> talent. Oh, I want... You know, but there's no there's no execution. So it's just a fantasy. And and by execution, that's the stuff really I'm just I was just talking about. It's the stuff that nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to make the phone calls. Nobody wants to do the research and find the production companies. Nobody wants to send the emails or the letters or whatever. But those are the things that get you work and you've got to do them every day. Now, I'm writing this down. Vision without ex- execution. Without- is, is hallucination. hallucination. Okay. <laughs> yes. I know that there are people who are listening that wanted to write it down too, so I thought we'd get it repeated. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we close? The only other thing I, I would say, Julie, is that uh, I think one of the things that's, that's helped me the most, certainly having some background in business, but also um, I used to run a lot, and I'm starting to do it more now, but I've, I've run a couple of uh, Chicago marathons, and I learned, and I, I realized I'm not the most gifted person in the world athletically. Mm-hmm. I'm not fast. I'm not super coordinated, but what I learned was that one thing I know about myself is that I've developed the ability and the discipline to do things that are painful and not fun and do them every day. And I've treated my business like a marathon and every day I know what I need to do and I just do it, even if it's not fun. And the good thing is after a while is that training, you start to build up something. If it's, if you're running, you build up endurance and running becomes fun. In voiceover, you build up a client list and you walk into work and you've got five jobs in your inbox before you get started. That's a good day. That's exciting. That makes me love my job. 
Yeah, and there are a lot of people uncomfortable with uh, with step number three, with your uh, third chain, which is to yeah. try to approach people and market them. But I saw something up at the gym. I do the same thing as you. I'm a third degree black belt, and I use that. Oh, wow. The stuff I learned through that. Yes. You know, to uh, the discipline to help me with that. But Absolutely. I saw something at the gym that really helped me through a major bike ride this weekend that had lots and lots of hills. It was just a metric century, but boy, was it a tough one. And I, it said, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm, that's, so that's profound. If you're not comfortable approaching a client, do it anyway. That's right. Think of it like you're doing them a favor because you're letting them know they're there and they don't have to you know, bother going through all the trouble to audition everybody. That's right. That's right. And you'll never achieve what you want by using the same skill set and approach that you used in your former life. Think this is a new life. This is a new line of business. And you have to develop new skills, which requires you stepping out of your out of your comfort zone. Exactly. We've been talking with Bill Deweese. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Julie. What a pleasure. The four links of the voiceover chain. Everything is just so true. I just never thought of it like that. Well, it's a great opportunity to get, to get to know you, and I've admired you from afar, so good to, to get up close and personal and have a conversation. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, and I almost forgot. We have got a webinar with Bill coming up on Tuesday, the 26th, 6 p.m. Pacific time, which would be 9 p.m. Um, Eastern time, all about how to be a six-figure talent. If you want information to sign up um, for that, well, all you need to do is watch your email box for um, emails coming from me. Um, for the VoiceOver Insider subscribers. If you're not a subscriber already, be sure to go to voiceoverinsider.com and sign up so that you'll know about these things. And now, the McFadden Minute. Hi. Last week, I received an email from a person just getting started in VoiceOver who wanted to know which sound booth I use. He said he was saving his money to buy one of the well-known booths, but it would take him a year or more to save the five grand so he could get the booth and start his voiceover career. I told him my booth model was called a clothes closet in the spare bedroom, and my recommendation is don't wait to have the money to get an expensive booth. There are plenty of successful voice artists who will tell you they started in a closet, with or without the clothes still hanging in them, which can do a nice job of soaking up the sound waves bouncing around as you narrate. My booth slash closet measures three feet wide by five feet long and isn't even tall enough for me to stand in, so I have to do all my narration sitting down. And there's no room for clothes, so I lined three walls and the ceiling with two-inch thick sound insulation panels made with Owens Corning 703. I covered the insulation with a dense weave fabric and then wrapped two of the panels with quilted moving blankets. That deadens the space without making it sound boxy. I'm not saying there isn't a place for the sound booths, especially if you don't have a spare bedroom with a clothes closet and an understanding spouse. But don't put your voiceover career on hold waiting to save up for the perfect booth. Hey, my minute's up. I gotta go. You've been listening to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams. Be sure to join us next week for more VoiceOver Insider information and another edition of the McFadden Minute.